welcome to Off Brand, the design podcast with a difference. I'm Oscar, and each episode I'll be chatting to a few colleagues about a topic we care about. So welcome to another episode of Off Brand. Today we're going to be talking about branding for healthcare. We're going to be going through uh, one of our latest projects for Natia and just be talking about the general shift in uh, branding practices for healthcare recently. Today we've got Bethan and Kirsty with us. Hello. Hello. And we're just going to start with a kind of overarching question uh, to begin with. We often talk about the emotional power of brand. Um, so do you think that that's more important in healthcare or do you think that the rational uh, part of it outweighs the emotional? I think I think it's a bit of both. I think the rational part, I guess, is really ensuring that, you know, if you're picking a, a healthcare brand, you trust them, they've got good reviews, the product's been rated, it, it does what you need it to do at the time, so all the specifications are right. So those are kind of the, the rational, some of the mm. rational choices. But I think more and more people are getting more choice as to where they go to and therefore then it becomes more of an emotional pull um, because you know you might find three products that all say they offer the same thing but what makes you choose one or the other yeah and I think that's where that emotional connection that brand comes in because you you know you're looking more relevant to them it feels like more that kind of oh that's my kind of product you know it looks cooler for example if it's a younger demographic so you can use brand to really then tailor it to that person or that the audience that you're um, appealing to. Mm. Yeah, and I think mm. in I think in healthcare generally, healthcare is a very emotional thing, and so yeah, it's personal, isn't it's it? It's personal. So I think there's a lot of it has to be whatever the thing is. So whether it's a healthcare provider, whether it's a hospital, or whether it's a digital app or whatever, there has to be that emotional connection for people to then build trust and kind of things on top of that. Yeah, especially in a lot of the time, it's it's an area that us as consumers, you don't really know anything about. You feel quite vulnerable in that state because you're trying to find out, you know, something might be wrong with you and you're trying to find a consultant or you're trying to find um, an app to help you manage something. But you don't really know at that point what the right thing that you should be looking for mm. is, you know, how do I know that one app is better than the other or one consultant or whoever set that up is better than the other? I've literally got no idea about that area of medicine or health. And so I think you do you do rely on that gut feel a little bit more yeah. because you don't understand enough of the other stuff. Like, no matter how much you research, you still can't be 100% sure. So I think that's when the kind of gut feel decision-making mm. kicks in. But I think you can't go 100% on just emotion because especially with healthcare mm. you want them to appear like they know what they're talking about and if you completely remove that not that they would but yeah you sort of be like um sounds very fancy but do you actually know what you're doing but you have to back it up yeah with it's kind the of evidence. Like, you need a bit of yeah. balance don't you really between yeah, the true. two mm. okay it's a classic answer bit of both bit yeah. of both okay so yeah and we kind of touched on Touch on the kind of thing of now we've got digital apps kind of popping up and digital providers of of kind of whether it's GPs or whether it's wellness or whether whatever. And this, I think, has kind of 
um, this is growing in popularity because it's accessible, because it's uh, convenient, because we're on our smartphones and, you know, if you're mm. able to access healthcare through your smartphone, which you have on you all the time. But do you, do you think this is a kind of a gimmicky thing or do you think that this is going to revolutionise the industry and kind of push it forward and open a new chapter for healthcare in general? Um, or do you think that's gonna or do you think it's kinda of gonna stay that that one person to person sort of physical thing is gonna always out I think strip? in terms of is it a gimmick, potentially at the moment, yes, but that's just because the technology's in its infancy stage. Mm. And I think sort of as the technology progresses then I think it will become revolutionary in a way. I think it will enable people to access healthcare who potentially couldn't before. Mm. Um, you know, it works both ways. People who aren't technically savvy may potentially miss out. Yeah, struggle. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I, I think <laughs> my, my initial on. reaction was, yeah, it's going to revolutionise it. But I think that's right, the, the um, I guess the traditional services behind it need to catch up as well. Sure. Um, but I think it's about time in some ways that the health, the healthcare market caught up with consumer experiences elsewhere. Yeah. Mm. You know, being able to just book a GP's appointment on an app or online, in some cases that still isn't possible. You still yeah. have to ring up at certain times mm. um, and they're only available at certain times, whereas all these apps where you can, you know, you video call with a GP yeah. whenever you need to. And I think that's, I think firstly it's just fitting into the way that we work now. People's lives, they want convenience and healthcare is going to have to fit into that. And I think there's a big opportunity for providers to fill that gap in. Mm. I know that the NHS is really pushing their digital. I was going to say, do you think that's going to be driven by the private sector or NHS? I think private sector to start with, just because they've got the flexibility and yeah flexibility i think it's far easier for them to install some new software yeah. test it out um the funding to actually r&d it whereas the nhs is but then i guess there are facets of the nhs there are pockets of the nhs that are starting to do some of this yeah mm. um but i think you made a really good point about access because mm. actually for you know some parts of the uk that are remote or incredibly rural it, w it could really provide a mm. big difference that you can have that um, online or digital interaction. Because mm. even if you can see your consultant face-to-face, -face, <clears throat> it makes a big difference. I did it with a dietitian that um, you did the first consultancy cons consultation face-to-face, -face, and then after that it was all over Skype. Because yeah. it was a lot cheaper um, to do it that way, and it was absolutely fine. Yeah. But I think maybe when you first meet someone, because it is quite a personal thing you're talking about, you still might want to be face-to-face. -face. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, this is the thing, I think that that's the, for me anyway, I think that would be the biggest barrier is just having that trust that they are qualified and have the right sort of, mm. I don't know, it's just that sort of, because you haven't met them physically and yeah. because of that. I think that's what the and also we're not used to using yeah exactly like receiving healthcare exactly. through a digital medium we're yeah. used to doing it face to face so yeah. I guess there's that transition period exactly. that you've got to 
sort of iron out the kinks and all that. Mm. Yeah, and it's kind of that thing of like, if it's a physical thing as well, where normally a doctor would kind of actually touch you and sort yeah. of like yes. all of this kind of stuff, I think is going to be difficult to get. I guess there's, there's always going to be limitations. Yeah. You, yeah. At some point you are going to have to probably see, see someone an in person. doctor or... Yeah. But the ben- you know, the benefit is you can at least have the initial discussion. Yeah. And you can it's filter out. Serious or exactly. not, whether it's yeah. you know, yeah, do come yeah. in, don't come in. Yeah, exactly. Which would again would kind of really free up the physical kind of things where you get people going in for something that's really not very urgent. Yeah, exactly. But then I think you still get those people because some people just do it for the you know, they want they crave that mm. personal interaction true. and mm. someone yeah. to talk to. Yeah, true. Yeah. So kind of on the digital topic still, we've obviously just finished this project for Natia, who mm-hmm. are a cancer kind of wellness uh, support app. Um, and I'll kind of let you, one of you two, kind of talk a little bit about what Natia does and kind of what what the aim was overall and then what the sort yeah. of the main elements and messages that we were trying to convey through their brand and through what they were trying to do yeah. generally. Well, I guess firstly that they, they weren't, they didn't create Nartia solely as an app. Mm-hmm. So um, part of his team were yoga practitioners that have supported people affected by cancer. They've been the radiographers in the room. So they really have experience of the treatment of patients within the NHS. Um, yeah, mostly within the NHS, isn't yeah. it? I think all of them. But what they really spotted was there was a real <coughs> disconnect that there's a lot of care for the physical self but there's a real gap in the care for our spiritual and psychological self both for the patients but their support network which is you know friends and families right through to the medical professionals because it's quite hard on them as well they face a lot of stress and they've this team have run a lot of workshops with medical professionals to try and support them and actually what they were trying to do is they've created Natia in order to provide that support function from a spiritual psychological point of view to bridge that gap at the moment and at the moment the, the kind of first instance is an app yeah where you can um go on and undertake breathing exercises yoga yeah, exercises a series of programs yeah yoga breathing there's music therapy i think there's like conversation conversation yeah, yeah. all all forms. created by experts in in their own areas and specifically designed to alleviate the suffering of people um, affected by cancer. So we were approached to help create that brand for Natia. Mm. Hand over to Kirsty because it's your baby. Yes, it was. Um, so as Bethan was saying, Natia is aimed to support anyone affected by long-term illness and they try to alleviate their physical, emotional and spiritual suffering. Um, so we sort of helped develop their strategy and develop a brand purpose for them and the brand purpose was to work together to reduce suffering mm-hmm. and i think that was quite key because when they did a lot of um research into their um, potential customer base and i think what they got out of it was a lot of them they asked for their emotional responses mm. to the, all these issues that were going on and a lot of them felt isolated helpless they had no control and this like real fear of the future so kind of taking all that we wanted to try and I guess alleviate those sufferings through the brand and represent that through the brand identity mm-hmm. so we had this idea of like 
everyone coming together and that really underpins the visual identity. I mean, it's represented within the logo itself. And then the logo, well, we call it the brand mark and everything within the brand identity originates from this brand mark. Um, we use animation to show the brand mark morphing into the program icons, iconography. We have um, lots of patterns that we use as well. And it's all this idea of like interconnectivity that community as yeah and mm. um, creating this like strong ecosystem of support for the users so yeah it was like a really lovely brand to work on um yeah mm. and i think one of the real challenges with them was they wanted to be they wanted to come across as a, approachable and caring but they needed to have an element of trust yeah because actually what they don't want to be seen as is they aren't um some hippy dippy, mm, wishy washy. Yeah, it's yeah. not just about oh, just do your arms in the morning. Sure. It was this is serious. This has been proven to help, proven through decades in some cases of this team of people working directly with people affected by cancer. Yeah. So there was that real, um, there was a balance we struck, wasn't there, with the brand yeah. that it needed to feel trusted, but not overly medical. It was like soft but strong. <clears throat> yeah, it was like the exact opposite of mm. each other. But mm. we did quite a lot of competitor research and had a look at a lot of the wellness apps were doing very soft, light blues, a lot of photos of people staring of off into the distance. There was a lot of blue. But the, then the flip side, also you went down the more medical route. More also scientific, blue. <laughs> also blue, but mm. more like NHS blue, I guess. Mm. Cold. Cold. Mm. Very sterile. And that just didn't feel right either because Nati was about, like Kirsty's saying, it was that it's providing an ecosystem, it's support, it's that softer mm. side. Yeah. And it, we actually realised that none of those were quite right for Natia. I mean, mm. we didn't want to position ourselves in that way anyway, but it gave us a really good framework yeah. for the visual identity of who we don't want to be yeah. and how we don't want to perceive, be perceived. Um, and so that was quite tricky because you didn't want to come across like the a lot of the, the proven expertise is through experience, not necessarily through scientific research. They didn't want to say, oh, we've scientifically proven yeah. all this stuff. It's more their day-to-day -day contact with real people yeah. is how they've proven it. Mm. And so there was always this kind of line um, to be... Yeah, because we couldn't say clinically proven. No. Using that kind of language. They didn't want to come across like they were mm. in lab coats because it's mm. not about that. It is the emotional and spiritual. But also didn't want to come across as just a real hippie you know, let's just do some yoga. Yeah. Yeah, well, I remember John saying the words, like, grounded in science. Mm, so yeah. it's kind of, from that, I just got, like, the root of it is scientific in, in a sense that it, like you said, they've kind of done their own research and it does work from the people that they've spoken to. Mm. And it all comes from scientific stuff. But yeah. the way that they've packaged it and the way that they're kind of presenting it is a, is a wellness and kind of softer sort yeah. of like you said unsterile community-based exactly sort of thing. yeah so the music you know the music's being created to reduce the cortisol levels in your body um so it is grounded in that scientific approach to creating music and so that yeah they do have that mm. kind of underpinning everything they do mm. yeah so it was really it was it was quite a balance wasn't it to mm. to create that identity mm. hard to talk about on a podcast because you can't <laughs> Can't see, see it. it. <laughs> Normally when we talk about it, you can see it and you yeah. can show it. Like the logo looks like. <laughs> Imagine an N. Yeah. Soften it. Soften it and add two dots to On either the end. the top and the bottom of either end. Yeah. That's the one. 
That's the brand. The connecting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, connecting so, dots. <laughs> so, okay. And so kind of to sort of like round, round it off then, what, what from working on this project and from what you've seen kind of in the general industry and this sort of move, we were kind of talking earlier about sort of patient consumer centric approach to healthcare now and healthcare branding. What do you think are the key kind of things that healthcare brands have got to look out for um, who are sort of wanting to revolutionise or shake up the industry as it is now? What's mm-hmm. the kind of key things that you think they should be I think one watch out for. from learning with Natia is... No blue. No, <laughs> no blue. <laughs> Everyone goes blue. Although we might have used... A deep blue in our, but it's but different. That wider palette. Exactly. It's not just blue. Boston. <laughs> <laughs> just had white and blue. But yeah, good point. Um, that was our authoritative blue. Authoritative blue. Yeah, exactly. A nod to medical blue. Yeah, not like Facebook blue, which everyone else uses. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, what I was thinking about is, don't try and come across. You have to be true to yourself and your brand. So you can't just look at competitors and be like, oh, we want, really want to be, we want to come across as med- medical and trusted. Mm. So you make yourself look medical and trusted, but are you really? Yeah. Mm. You know, is that who you are? You need to be authentic. People are going to see through it. I think this is a trouble you want to disrupt and you want to, or you just want to get out there and be competing with those at the top. But if you just start to mimic what they do, but you want them, firstly, you're not going to differentiate yourselves. And secondly, Consumers are going to see through it because you're not authentic. Yeah. So I think that's one big watch out that we learned from Natia was, and and actually I think John and Simon and the team were really good at this mm-hmm. of saying that's not what we are that you know that's pushing us too far down the medical route. We can't we can't be saying that that's not really quite right. Mm. And actually I think they had a lot of integrity when we were going through the brand, didn't they? Yeah. I don't know what it is with healthcare brands. I think it's really obvious when a brand isn't being genuine they're just kind of doing it they're jumping on the bandwagon mm. it's like I was looking I looked at quite a lot of like wellness and healthcare apps whilst researching for this project and I just came across some and I was like what are you got like you're just literally you've seen an opening in the market and you're going for it and it's mm. it's not driven by what most doctors and healthcare practitioners are like doing it for they actually want to help people and mm. I think it's yeah it just becomes really obvious when that's the case mm. Yeah. And again it's that it goes back to that trust thing again. And I yeah. think that is really key when like you said, you can do a very very sort of surface level look at an app or a brand or whatever and immediately make the decision that they're authentic or not. Yeah. Regardless of what's behind it, yeah. really. I think maybe that leads on to like the third tip is figure out your purpose. Why are you doing this beyond making a profit? Yeah. Because again, I guess it ties a little bit into the second point, but without that purpose, without that vision about where you're going, why you're doing this, it's going to be really hard to create that that brand that's authentic because you're, what are you being authentic to if yeah. you don't have that core kind of golden thread of a, a purpose? It's that kind of, it's knowing where you're going and I think that is immediately obvious through your brand to a consumer. Yeah, it just makes fine. everything, everything's easier then because every decision you make is, are we aligning to that? vision are we being true to ourselves yeah. yeah you know when you're looking at is that the right platform that we should be using actually no because it doesn't align up with our our purpose and our vision when you're hiring people 
do they buy in? You know, especially when you're starting up, you're hiring all the time to bring in the right talent. But actually, unless you know really where you're going, how are you bringing them along? They'll take you off in a completely different direction. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think, yeah, again, I think it's going to be, it's going to kind of going back to one of our first points about digitization and this shift towards a more digital approach to sort of alleviate things like pressure in hospitals or GP surgeries or mm. to allow access for people living in remote areas. I think that this potential is, again, going to take a while purely just because of that breaking down that sort of trust mm, those yeah. barriers and and people again not jumping on the bandwagon and also you know i'm thinking about stuff like even when in like fintech where you've got all of these apps like monzo and starling and all of these kind of banks that are blown up in the last couple of years who are all using who who have again because finance again is a very personal thing and mm. it's a very trust-based thing um so I'm wondering whether there's any learnings from industries like that even, where it's kind of like, where they have really used these strong brand kind of, they've completely changed the tone of voice when they're talking about finance, yeah. they've changed all of these things. And I'm wondering whether that's, maybe there's some learnings there for the sort of digital healthcare as well, even though it's a different industry, it's yeah. still kind of, that shift is still going from a physical bank to a, to a digital to experience. Digital. Yeah. yeah. I think it just made me think actually of um, for them as well I think financials you think kind of regulations mm. and they have to meet quite a lot of criteria and a lot of the way that's how they prove mm. that they're, they're not yeah sure. exactly and I yeah. think it was sort of the same in the the medical side of things a, a lot of the brands um, that we've worked with Natia and um, another reason why not launched yet um what they were really aiming for is over time getting endorsement from the NHS and that was really a mark of trust. Mm, okay. And so I think for these brands they need to think about, yes, they need to be aiming at their end consumers and their end users, but they need to think about who they're going to need uh, kind of supporting them, endorsing them. Validating them. Yeah. yeah. You know, patient groups, patients associations. Sure. It's those kind of groups as well that will help them get trusted mm. because they will have, you know, those people, those kind of organisations don't put their mark against just anything. You have yeah. To work incredibly hard and prove a lot of criteria. But I think that that's also one to think about when you're creating your brand is is how do you want to be perceived, not just by your end user, but by the wider, wide, by the wider market, the kind of key authorities within mm. that market. Yeah. Because they're the ones that could help you get a bit more of that trust kind of trust the people Clout. <laughs> yeah definitely no that's a really good point I think that's yeah you're right and that, that is almost like the NHS at least in the UK is almost like that regulator is for a bank mm. essentially you know you've got the FCA is it the FCA Financial Conduct Authority um, who yeah as soon, soon as you see that on an advert like on the tube or whatever next to a finance advert then you're like immediately oh they're you're right then. They're, yeah. they're good. They're trustworthy. But do you even know what that means? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's protected. What the heck is that? Yeah. <laughs> Let's try to do that. Customers are very glad of that right now. Yeah. They'll be testing how good that is, isn't it?